we like to eat it with everything. I thought it was the skin that we couldn't. I thought it wasn't the sweetness. I mean, (laughs) I thought it was the cellulite. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what's in fat people. (laughs) Cellulose, cellulose. I'm Seth. So how's your week, guys? It's pretty good. Yeah, eight plus week. I've been happy this week. I don't know why. Just Adam got his cowboy chili back. That's why. (laughs) You're right. So, oh, did I not tell you? No, you didn't tell me. Oh man. I mean, guys, there's a place in Hattiesburg called T Bones Cafe and Records, and it is just the best. It's got it's a little corner. It's like a third record store. A third coffee shop and a third cafe. But at this point, mostly cafe and coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And I love going there. Cool atmosphere. Really wonderful place. But most of all, they got a soup of the day every day of the week. And on Tuesdays, they have chili. It's called cowboy chili. It's got bison meat in it. And it is no joke. I didn't know about the bison. This whole time, I didn't know. I thought my friend was joking with me (laughs) until I asked him. Definitely bison. I go every Tuesday and I pick up usually two bowls, one for lunch, one for dinner. (laughs) Best chili I've ever, ever had. A month ago, they told me it was going away forever. I got really sad. I went to buy like 10 bowls of it and save it forever, and they didn't even have it that day. (laughs) I was very put out. I was very emotional, very disturbed about it. And then like two weeks ago, I went back and they just had it. No explanation, no reason. They said they were switching vendors. Anyway, my love for this chili runs deep, and Libby is right. Probably the reason that my mood and outlook on life has improved is because I got my chili right. So Seth, no, I think no, I didn't know that it came back. Do yeah. You th- do you think somebody was just messing with you because they realized that you were coming there and buying two bowls every week, and they just thought, oh, I know what for a fact them? they did not have it for at least one Tuesday. Yeah, I didn't go after that because there was no reason for me to go. I had a friend come into town who used to live here, but she moved, and so she ha- she wanted to go see the old familiar places. So she talked me into going to T Bones. I was upset because they didn't have chili. Mm-hmm. I was like boycotting them, but then they had it. I don't know what happened. So it was at least one week. I walked in and it was corn bisque. Like you kidding me? No thanks. What? What is a bisque? Uh, milk, milkier, isn't it? Or is that a chowder? It's literally just milk. Is it? <laughs> no, I just, I don't know why that's where your mind went. That's like why a, I said that. Well, no, like a chowder I, has a milk base. Well, yeah. Compared to a soup that has like a water or a tomato base. so do a lot of soups, though. Yeah, bisque but, is thick. I'm pretty sure about that. Bisque is like a thicker, richer soup. Think like lo- lobster bisque. Do we? Well, right, but. Do we think it's like. Should I look it up or are we going to discuss it? Do we want to. Do we want to settle final verdicts and then look it up to see who's right or wrong? Welcome to episode four where we discuss bisques. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just Um, saying, then what the hell's the difference between a chowder and a bisque? I'm going to say that they're the same thing except for the ingredients. No, they're not. I think it's... Oh, wait, other than the ingredients. That's all food. (laughs) No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I meant, like, the statement ingredients. Your lobster, your corn and crab. I would disagree. Your palate ingredients. I would disagree, but I'm not an expert, so I'm looking it up. Well, I'm, I was about to... You had to I say mean, your verdict. You, all right, yeah. Libby doesn't get to vote because she's already, in the know. I, I told my verdict. I think it's thicker and, like, richer. But that's what a chowder is. 
No, I think a chowder... <laughs> well, a bisque has to be, like, smooth and kind of, like, it's still a soup, whereas a chowder is, like, chunky, and it's kind of like a stew. So it's, but like... But it's creamier no, than a stew. No. It's like a spectrum. So it's, like, either Campbell's cream what mushroom soup, like where there's no, like, actual ingredients. It's just... <laughs> oh... I was gonna say syrup. Syrup's wrong, but nope. it's just smooth soup. There's no chunks yeah, like or anything. Yeah, cream of wheat or cream of mushroom versus Chunky's Campbell mushroom. or Campbell's Chunky Soup, where it's just it's not. We're you, getting more towards chowder. We're still not there. What you described was not a spectrum. It was like a 3D graph where you have like an x-axis and a y-axis and a z-axis. No, I just have an x and a y-axis. It's just the two. So let's say I'm in a four quadrant sort of situation here. <laughs> We've got our soups, our bisques, our stews, and our chowders, and everything's somewhere on that where spectrum. Does, All right, where Seth, does, Seth, wait, Seth wait. give your verdict. I have the answer here. Well, I, I think I'm with Livy on it should be smooth. I think. <laughs> Bisque is smooth, chowder is thick and chunky. Hey. So I was right on that part. I. Mm, the bisque is usually shellfish, and okay. chowder is not always. Although, what? Clam chowder? That's a. Th- I was going to say, or yeah. just seafood chowder. Yeah, but there's also corn. corn it gets a thick texture yeah. from hearty vegetables. Yeah, like but did potatoes. he have corn bisque? No. What did what, you have? Wait, did you say corn bisque earlier? Yeah, I didn't eat it because it wasn't chili. Oh, that's yeah, something but I've not never even heard of. But that was bisque. that was my question. Well, is okay. Why I, is, <laughs> it could have been corn. And, it could have been corn and crab bisque. Okay, well that's just fusing flavors that don't need to go together. But I guess that no, makes it's really sense. good. I thought you said yeah. you had it. Oh, I did. I'm saying I've had other corn and crab bisque. Corn. I've never even heard of that. I think it's also a regional thing. Before we get to the actual music thing, <laughs> uh, I living in Louisiana, never had a chowder. Living in Louisiana, had many, many bisques. Chowder is a New England thing. But like lobster bisque, crawfish bisque, corn and crab bisque, very popular. I just want to chime in real quick on my Google results, which say that I'm also right on the end that a bisque is just a thick soup. Okay. The difference being that well, bisque and chowder are both thick soups. Bisque is smooth and chowder is chunky. So I kind of, in a roundabout way, nailed it. In a roundabout way where I was just making wild accusations. All right. So, <laughs> Seth, the I bigger, know you... Oh. The bigger question. Yes. What is chili? It's... Beef and tomato-based. Is it not? No, I mean, it is. <laughs> but if we're discussing... Um, soup versus bisque versus chowder. I mean, it could just be its own category, but I would say that it falls in between. Well, some chilies are more soup-like and some are more, let's call them chowders, because I think based on what we've heard. I think ultimately I'm, I side more with chilies its own category. Because I think... Regardless of whether it's uh, more... It looks like it's a spicy stew. Okay. Ideally containing chili peppers. That does seem like a big tip-off. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Because <laughs> it's okay, pretty chunky. I, I mean, most, most yeah. chilies are pretty chunky. And even if many American chilies, like if you're buying Hormel out of a can, which don't knock it, actually, not bad. Oh, yeah, staple of my household back yeah. home was canned chili. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have that many veggies in it, and it's not that spicy. No. It's just really heavy on the, the beef and tomato bit. Yeah some beans. Yeah, I, I do like chili with beans. I'm with that. 
It's a stew. And to bring it full circle, the difference between that and a chowder is that the chowder is creamy and a stew okay. is not. So now we have our full dichotomy of soups. Guys, I hope you realize we went a full eight minutes on chowder versus bisque. And here's this the thing. This is where my heart our, is, though. Our, our food debates. <laughs> our listeners needed to hear that because what we're going to get into next may, in fact... Involve the same blurred lines. Same discussion, but on a different topic. (laughs) We're thematically consistent, which is also part of what we're going to talk about. Yes. I vote we use code words like soup means this and chowder means this for the rest of the This is going to be like one of those, the prestige podcast where you got to go back and listen to it again to really pick up what we're putting down. Yeah. (laughs) It's all very sophisticated, not the rambling mess that it sounds like so it's far. true i have notes for the next bit i did not have i did not bring notes for chili but you see i told you before i'm not going to ask tell you beforehand what question i will ask you to soften us into our next topic right because it will be so good but and that you, wasn't even what you're planning on talking about was it adam do you enjoy magic or illusions one would say <laughs> You're right. I don't want it to be revealed. You can it's, stay behind it's the It's only a lie if you like to see the truth behind it. Okay, our music podcast cannot become a music, food, and philosophy podcast, so let's keep <laughs> it rolling. <laughs> All right, so today's topic is album versus playlist. The idea being an album, which maybe there are better terms out there for these, but this is kind of what I've been thinking about working with last what week so album i think on some level should make sense together if you listen to it front to back it should make sense in that order and you should want to hear it in that order and i think a really good album that would show you that if you hit shuffle would really just throw things off and you wouldn't enjoy it as much if you listened all the way through the shuffled version of the album instead of in the correct order Right. And then when I Googled this topic, album versus playlist, one of the things that showed up was the Bearded Gentleman music. And he was saying four years ago. Which is brought to you by the BBC, correct? Yes. Okay. It says head of music for BBC Radio 1 and One Extra. Um, He was saying he thinks that um, with very few exceptions, albums are edging closer to extinction, playlists are the future. And his point being that you have the now dance, now 25 years, um, that's what I call music, other things of that nature, and how successful they've been. And he's saying that basically you're just taking all the pop hits and throwing them into a CD and people are buying those. So... But he's make, is he making the point that like this new digital era is killing the album and then using an example of a thing that's existed for 25 years? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That seems... Okay. Part of Maybe that's the gradual decline of the album. Yeah, well, part of but when what started, he was like also... 1990, sh- album sales were still up. It's really gradual. <laughs> With every every of the, like, 50, just, now that's what you call just me. And there's so many genres that aren't represented on those. With each day, okay. another hipster turns 18. So <laughs> records are being bought more and more. That's true. Each day. Yeah. Yeah. They find, you know, they're like, all right, where's this elderly senior neighborhood that I can buy a house, move into, wait for them to die off, and usurp them? And, you know, then run that neighborhood. 
You know, cassette cassette tapes are coming back in a big way. They are. I think it's because now everyone buys vinyl, so the hipsters have had to move on something to even worse than vinyl. (laughs) Which, admittedly, I collect vinyl, so I can't speak too harshly. (laughs) I can't think of... I was going to say something, I can't think of the next, like, point that I was going to make. Okay. So, what are some albums that you would consider consistent and thematic and an album? I think the other thing before I get into that, the other problem is, is it because I, so the phrase first album is an album that I just really enjoyed and I listened to it so many times that I think I was always, I had the CD and so I didn't shuffle it. I just listened to it in order and I think the album makes sense in that order, but it was also... I think I conditioned myself on some level to mm-hmm. want to hear it in that order. So I mean, it's that thing when when one song ends, you automatically know what the next song is like. You can hear the next song in your head yeah. before it starts, mm-hmm. like that, but for an album. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But I think, <clears throat> I guess, I don't have a great album that I've thought of that's like, yes, this is exactly it, proving my point. I just think there are more... Oh... I mean, maybe this isn't the best example, but the... I can't think of... Is it the Thriller album, or what was Michael Jackson's album that had Thriller and... The eight other songs that were like I'm number guess one hits. That it was Thriller. Yeah. Since he has an album right. named that. Yeah. So. Not a huge Michael Jackson buff, just so you know. No, but I, I'm just saying there were either somewhere between like six and eight songs that all yep. uh, are yeah, really well known mm-hmm. from that album. And I know you're talking about now. I think my point is that album, would anybody be upset if that was thought of as a playlist? And I would almost say now since less people are inclined to actually know what's on that album that most people hear all those songs from a playlist anyways and there's no like oh what billy jean came before thriller yeah. that's wrong yeah let me just hit you with the songs in this album do you know if i read them off would you know what they are i mean probably want to be starting something yeah baby be mine don't know that one. The girl is mine with Paul McCartney. That one I probably should know, but Thriller. Yeah. Beat it. Yeah. Billy Jean. Yeah. Human Nature. Yeah. Pretty Young Thing. Yeah. And The Lady in My Life. I don't recognize that one, but the point is there are some big hitters on that one. Yeah. And I think you're justified in saying that since they're all just like big hit singles, you could throw them around in any order. Yeah. Which I think is how yeah. albums more so used to be. Mhm. I mean, if you think about the Beatles, the Beatles' first two or three albums, four or five maybe, were just like, you know, their number ones surrounded by other, like, covers even. Yeah. Or things that they had written that they weren't peaking in their artistic ability yet. And so people bought those just for the, the big ones. Yeah. Well, and um, we talked about this before we started the podcast, but this, I guess, my train of thought is kind of stemming from... 1700s, 16 or 1800s, you started to have more collections of songs instead of composers just doing one song that mm-hmm. would stand by itself. Is that there was 
you had song cycles start to show up, you had symphony works or sonatas that were then being broken up into multiple movements, yeah. and there's a specific reason it, thematically for everything to belong together. And so <clears throat> I think the same thing if you look at our pop music that recording-wise, you were limited by what can I possibly record on one disc, you know, and then as that evolved, that allowed you to put more things together. Right. And I mean, there was also you kind of come up with the one pop hit, and you have a producer and or somebody say like, "Yeah, that's great. Let's put it on this." And then you're like, "Oh, we have another side. What should we do?" And it's like mm-hmm. you just throw another song on there. Now I yeah. wish I could think of an album that was ruined by the existence of a single. That like it would have worked really well, but it was just shoehorned in. Like yeah, the big one. I'm sure there's. I didn't think about that example specifically, but well, I mean, it's hard to say. I want to say I remember when I was younger and Shine Down came out with Second Chance, and I forget the other one that was like their one other song that everybody would have known on the radio. That I enjoyed both of those songs, and I remember thinking because. For whatever reason, I enjoy buying albums. Like, if I like a song from yeah, an artist, I want to buy the whole album instead mm-hmm. of just that song. Mm-hmm. Mostly because usually, especially with Maroon 5, i found that there's some other song on there that won't be popular that I'll like a lot yeah. more than what actually, mm-hmm. you know, became popular. And so, <clears throat> from that, I was like, yeah, let me go look at what they have. And then when I listened to the other Shinedown stuff, I was like this is what their other stuff sounds like? This doesn't, you know, it kind of was like, oh, it sounds like they kind of forced in one pop hit that did become popular, and then the other stuff was more, oh, maybe heavy metal-ish, or Mm -hmm. more towards, like, heavy rock. Maybe not necessarily metal, but... Mm -hmm. So... Some examples that I thought of that definitely do have... So my definition of an album was a consecutive thematic messages. Not necessarily like a story arc, but a cohesive idea, a cohesive artistic expression. So some examples I thought of were both of two of Kendrick Lamar's albums, To Pimp a Butterfly and Good Kid, Mad City. Good Kid, Mad City is specifically a story um, of some of his days in high school. And then To Pimp a Butterfly has this cool thing where... He recites a poem throughout the album, but every in between each song, he recites a little bit more of the poem, and the bit that he adds on each time is connected to the themes of the following song, until you get to the end, and the poem is transformed and becomes a new thing you weren't expecting it to be. Um, no spoilers on this cast. Um, <laughs> another one would be Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band by the Beatles, although really that mm-hmm. one's just bookended by the two Sgt. Pepper tracks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if how much you could say the stuff in the middle needs to be sequential um and then some rock operas from back in the day like 60s and 70s which Sgt. Pepper is supposed to be like the first one of those but The Who has Tommy and Quadrophenia which are specifically stories about characters told through music Pink Floyd has The Wall Mm -hmm. some would say The Dark Side of the Moon is supposed to be sequential um one of my favorite rap albums by a guy named MF Doom and his first album is called Doomsday or Operation Doomsday, that's what it is. And he, it's, he's got skits in between that tell like his origin story as a supervillain, and so that one also works better sequentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like albums that 
then I was thinking, but you can have things that are thematically linked that don't necessarily need to be sequential in the same way that those are because you don't have a poem or a storyline. So a bunch of U2's albums are all thematically connected, like the Joshua Tree is about Americana and Zeropa is about like technology and materialism, but there's not a, a set structure for those. Mm-hmm. Most of Arcade Fire albums are the same way. Kendrick's new album, I many would argue with me, but I do not see a cohesive narrative element in that one. Um, Who's Next by The Who, that one's just a bunch of like rock classics that yeah. all got on an album together. MF Doom's other album, Mad Villainy, that one's not sequential at all either, like any of the Police's albums, um, although those aren't usually thematically connected. I was really just trying to look through my iTunes yeah. for yeah. albums That's I was thinking about. Like. Although I thought of one cool example. Do you guys know M83? Yeah. No. Okay. But I They can. have an album called Hurry Up, We're Dreaming, and it's a double album, and it's got, I think, 11 songs on each side, and they're supposed to be connected across the album break where the mm. first song on the disc one and the first song on di- disc two are connected thematically, and it runs that way through the whole That's album. Cool. So that one, I, I mean, I don't know how sequential that is, if they're sequential but broken up by an entire album, but I thought that was a really cool example. Yeah. yeah. So looking through my stuff, um, Sam Smith's first album, I think part of its success was kind of not only there's – it's thematic throughout Mm -hmm. you know it's really it's titled in the lonely hour but it's also just about i guess relationships in general and generally not happy things about relationships Mm -hmm. but he you know just from the titles there's money on my mind good thing stay with me leave your lover i'm not the only one i've told you now like i can life support not in that way Lay Me Down, Restart, Latch, La La La, which <clears throat> really I think was just a track thrown in there that he was featured. It's somebody else's song, but he was featured on it, so it was kind of like, all right, let's oh, yeah, that's definitely a filler material. Yeah, definitely. And then the last one was Make It To Me. And so I guess to me in some way, it feels like there's a certain connection between a lot of those. Hmm. Okay. And I think what will be interesting, because he has a new album coming out soon, I believe, if not the end of this year, beginning of next year, he just came out with like a single that I think is supposed to be promoting the next one. But, you know, Stay With Me, I'm Not The Only One, were kind of the first two big hits, and then I guess Lay Me Down and Latch were bigger later slash were already big in the UK Mm -hmm. but I think it'll be interesting to see if there is I guess I see the same thing with Ed Sheeran's music is that and I didn't listen to the first album which was positive or was it plus it's something like that because the next one is the X, which is like multiply, and then his most recent one was divide. I want to say it's oh right, right, right. It's something like that. But anyways, yeah. The first, the very first album, I don't. I mean, I remember like the A Team, and I remember Lego House kind of being a thing, but I guess on the second one, multiply, 
or whatever the correct title is. Um, it was kind of like, as soon as the single for Thinking Out Loud came out, like, that was the sound that everybody wanted Ed Sheeran to be all the time, kind of. Which was unfortunate because, I mean, it was a nice song on the album, but the rest of it has a very different vibe, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Ed Sheeran just yelling power ballads as much as anybody (laughs) else, but... And his next one, it feels like there are more songs geared towards the thinking out loud style. Right. And I think that's kind of maybe trying to reach more people or something, you know. And so going back to Sam Smith, I think it'll be interesting to see if he's, you know, if kind of the hits from the last one influence what he's doing on the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Livy, what were your examples of albums that are either sequential or don't have to be? Well, I just went through my Spotify, like you kind of uh-huh. went through iTunes. Uh, well, the thought that I immediately had when we were considering specifically the difference between an album and a playlist was that, to me, an album is something curated by the artist and a play is, playlist is something curated by a listener. So, like, essentially, a playlist is created just because a listener likes a selection of songs, whereas uh, the album is an artist putting a group of their music together for a specific reason. So pretty similar to your definition of an album. But what about when one of like the top five biggest pop stars right now, Drake, mm-hmm. releases something that he calls a playlist, and he is the artist, and he recorded all of it? Yeah, part of that too, and that goes a little bit different, but I think my second kind of definition for an album besides just what you were saying about it being sequential or being similar um is the production value which i know for drake he can you know he doesn't need to necessarily define something as an album for it to have fantastic production value but if you think of like mixtapes i was say you're verging um, into mixtape yeah and to me that's kind of what i thought of when drake did that was something like dropping a mixtape which is different now for like big artists because they have access to more like high production value um i mean gucci main releases a mixtape like once a month yeah at this point but if you're thinking like older mixtapes that was a lot of the time a way to get music out without having to commit mm-hmm. to getting into a studio to record an entire album and like have all the you know resources that are associated with that yeah. and so it's like and also if you think of when we went from like in the 50s like seth was saying going from artists releasing like single songs to we got EPs and then we got LPs they I would feel like weren't there wasn't really much narrative to those early albums but they you know had that production Mm -hmm. value to them of they went in the studio and recorded all these songs and did all this stuff and made like liner notes and all these things as albums developed I, I will say I think mixtapes are becoming more of a place for an artist to drop new music mm-hmm. without having to make a statement in yeah. the same way that an album makes a statement. Mm-hmm. Although I think one clear exception to that is Chance the Rapper, who has called all three of his projects, 10 mm-hmm. Days, Acid Rap, and Coloring Book, he's called all three of those mixtapes and said mm-hmm. that he hasn't released his first album yet. I haven't listened to 10 Days, so I can't comment for that one, but Acid Rap and Coloring Book are very cohesive and thematically yeah. linked. Not sequential, but they're not as freewheeling 
or off the cuff as most people would think of as a mixtape. And so even mm -hmm. he's kind of breaking down the barrier between those definitions. Yeah. Definitely. He was on one of my albums that I picked, which mm -hmm. my albums were all either sequential, of which I only found like two. I, that Kendrick album, uh, you could argue that Frank Ocean's albums have a narrative to them, though it's not quite as explicit as an album like To Pimp a Butterfly. Mm -hmm. And then I have this album by an artist named Julian Villard, who his songs are kind of satirical, but they're really good. And the his album is telling a story. Um, and then my other albums I picked were all just like, I feel like the whole album has a similar vibe in the music. Like it has a similar sound to it. Like mm -hmm. the Capital Cities album uh, in a tidal wave of mystery. Like that one, I personally think I could listen to those songs out of order and get the same effect, even though it's one of those things where, yeah, I've been conditioned to expect them in a certain order. So to me, they sound good that way. But when I first started listening to it, I would always just put it on shuffle. And though I felt the songs all went together, they weren't necessarily telling a story in order. But then when you get into something like a mixtape, I don't really know what defines that other than production value, even though currently that's not as much of a defining feature. Mm -hmm. I think, and this is not an unpopular opinion on the internet, but I think that Drake entitled his most recent project a playlist just so that he didn't have to compete with people dropping albums because mm. last year was a really big year for albums and even just thinking about him competing with Kendrick Lamar one of the guys who's making like the most well-crafted artistic statements as albums today I wouldn't really want to compete with him I would definitely try to find a way out of that and so when calling it a playlist it wasn't classified and it wasn't compared against each other in the same way mm -hmm. I think that was him trying to squeeze out of that one because I don't know if anyone besides Drake, has released a huge project like that and just called it a playlist. Mixtape is far more likely. I think, yeah. We wouldn't even be having this conversation right. if Drake had called it a mixtape, because that's really normal. Mm -hmm. But album versus playlist has really popped up more since he called it that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another thought I had was, what about albums that flow together but are not thematically connected? I'm talking about Abbey Road. The second half of Abbey Road is one big medley of, like, what's it? bits and pieces of songs that they had left over that they weren't connected in any way lyrically, but they played them straight through. It's like a 15 or 20 minute run of not stopping. And a lot of that is editing magic, but it's a medley. It all goes together smoothly. Mm -hmm. Or somebody that Livy and I like is a guy called Girl Talk, mm -hmm. and he's like a DJ, producer, sampler kind of guy, and he takes yeah. pop songs and makes crazy mashups of like 18 different songs at once and throws them together but his most well the two albums that I've listened to they're not his most recent the two albums I've listened to flow from one song to another without any breaks and basically he just edits those together until he gets about 50 minutes an hour and then he cuts it off and says there it is that's the album <laughs> like so how do you classify those because those are very much sequential but not so much thematic you know, from the conversation we just had, I I think on some level, I think we were all leaning towards what makes an album an album mm -hmm. is, I guess, the fact that it is thematic. Okay. And that a playlist doesn't necessarily have to be thematic. And because, I mean... Seth, I just want to yeah. warn you. You're walking into some very controversial ground. Are you saying that Abbey Road by the Beatles is a mixtape? 
Check out my. Are you saying the Beatles out Drake's Drake and released a playlist called Abbey Road? Okay, just so we know, the Beatles would out Beatles anybody. So it doesn't it doesn't matter when it happened. The Beatles probably did it first on some level. But I, I guess I'm not necessarily saying that we should call it a playlist. But I think. It seems like instead of album versus playlist, we're getting more into either something's thematic throughout, mm-hmm. either something's possibly thematic and sequential, which it, it seems like there's less sequential things, Yes, I guess. I think it's just harder to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. And then you kind of have, I guess, the playlist version of that, which... You could make it into a playlist is something that, like Livy was saying, you create from other composers uh-huh. or artists, and then you could make it into your own narrative or your own, you could make it sequential, you could, you know. And in that way, you know what, I might have to take back Girl Talk as an example of that, because he is not a composer. He is more just an arranger. And he basically is making a playlist. He's just doing it way more complicated than most people. Saying, like, what if I took all of my favorite songs and played them at once? Or played them against each other? Rather than just saying, here's all my favorite songs. So he's just taking it a step further because he's that talented of an editor. So that may not be the best example. I take that one back. I'll stand by Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. I have stood by Abbey Road. Because, <laughs> yeah, it happened once. Humble brag. <laughs> or just flat out brag. I don't know where the humble was. I didn't take any pictures. Oh, humble brag. <laughs> so humble. <laughs> I didn't do the obnoxious walk across the street and huddle traffic. I tried to act like I was a real person who needed to get across the street. The Wait a second. Thanks you for that. Speaking of humble brag, if he didn't take a picture, how do we know the reason wasn't he just looked around him and said, you know what, this is too cool for other people to have. I, they don't need it. I'm going to keep this one for myself. What? What the, would that be? Yeah. No, because you didn't take the picture. You just you're saving that memory, and you can't share it with anybody now. No, it's because there really was a car waiting for us to cross the street, and I didn't want to look like a tourist. I was like, I'm not even gonna have my phone out. I just tried to walk here. across the street and really feel it without doing anything about it. It was very cool. So we're digressing a little bit, but does anybody? I mean. I feel like I do the same thing of like I'm not I'm gonna look like I'm here. I don't. Yeah. There's no point in taking pictures. I can remember it, or you know, yeah. or I don't want to look like oh I'm not from here. Well, I've heard that people who live in St. John's Wood, where Abbey Road is, are very frustrated that they have like one of the number one tourist sites in England in their town, and it's just a normal crosswalk. There's no signage. There's no <laughs> merchandising. It's just the road. Like the studio's right there. And then the crosswalk is a crosswalk. We couldn't tell which one it was. We walked down two crosswalks because we walked around both ones surrounding the studio because we weren't sure which one it was because there's no signage. But the people who live there, they know which one it is, and they would have been mad at us. So, yeah, I tried to act like I belonged. It was cool. I mean, that's all that matters. So I, I had another thought about um, how albums are put together. And that even if they are not sequential, but they are thematic, there is very often a contour, a dramatic contour or arc to an album. Yes. So I've written out what I think the traditional contour of an album is. Think about some of your favorite albums, just whatever they might be, 
and I'm going to tell you the big bullet points of this traditional album contour and tell me if I'm being accurate or not. Do you have your albums in your mind? I'm looking at mine. Yeah. Okay. You're going to open with a big statement song right at the front. Now, I'm defining statement song to be either like the lead single or an encapsulation of the themes of the album or the best example of the new sound and direction of the album or if it's more of a story, it's going to be like the setting of the album. All right, mm-hmm. that's your big lead-off. I was going to say, for lead-off single, I am definitely looking at the wrong album. But then when you hit the other points, I was like, yeah, okay, exactly. this is hitting home Yeah, more. because it doesn't, this lead single sense. happens less often, I feel like. You usually hide that it's one a little further like back. It's usually like the second exactly. song. Um, <laughs> Which is the second song on the album But an encapsulation of at. themes and new sound and direction for the band or the artist, I think is... Yes. Yeah, that, so a statement song that brings you into the album as an idea. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have your bigger hits, some more hype songs. You're going to pull most of your albums. I mean, sorry, most of your <laughs> singles from this album, from this next little bit. Tracks like one through five, let's say. Um, you're going to slow down in the middle. You're going to get a little more introspective. Uh, you're going to have some deeper cuts, things that don't necessarily make it to the radio. Then close to the end, it's either going to pick back up with um, some more energetic songs that are going to remain deeper cuts or you're going to have another statement song. This time it's either a transformation of the themes and sounds that the album opened with, or a restatement that is more meaningful and resonant because you've heard the rest of the themes of the album. Then you're usually going to end with um, like a downer ending. Not necessarily sad, I more mean that in a resolution. It's going to be like a really chill song to close out the album. Mm -hmm. Now when I think about that, traditional contour i'm thinking about like u2 albums i'm thinking about sufjan steven albums i'm thinking about kanye west albums like that fits so many of the albums that i like mm-hmm. yeah, do you I guys think, feel like that's accurate i think that most of those fit most of the albums i like and yeah. there's always some exceptions but yeah so like i'm looking at plans by death cab for cutie mm-hmm. and so yeah that fits pretty much what ha- like I would say the two songs that people probably would know is either Soul Meets Body or I Will Follow You Into the Dark, which right. are two and five on the album. Yep. And so, and then after that, which I mean, it was funny, for a while, I would, and I, I did the opposite on Sam Smith's album, but for a while I would like skip to six on this album, mm-hmm. and then I would just listen to like the back half, and then occasionally because I would go back. the back half picks it back up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it was also, I guess, it was like the other songs that I don't normally hear and things like that. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I wanted to listen to on this. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, I guess, like I was talking about earlier, when I want to find that song that I really like that I feel like I'm not going to get from the pop radio kind of, I'm going to get from somewhere in the album, usually comes somewhere in the back half. Mm -hmm. But on Sam Smith, I would kind of do the opposite of, I would listen to the front half, although I hate his first song money mm-hmm. on my mind i don't know why but it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> out of the rest of the album it just doesn't feel like it fits it i don't it's mm-hmm. for me i don't enjoy it but anyways but i would listen to the like two to five and then kind of skip over the next three because they're like there's oh i should go look at it so that i say correct things but where are you? Found you. Um, I feel like this could be there's... described as the form of the album. Yeah. Like most yeah. albums are going to follow this path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
And this really, really applies to albums that are thematic, but it is less so. If you're just talking about like energy, like that fits the sequencing of the album as well. But I think that contour, that dramatic contour, works really well for thematic albums as well. Do we need that? Do you need wait? Do you need the form or do you need the theme? The form, like to enjoy it or to make it an album. Like, to make it an album, because now so we're talking about things that aren't specifically are not sequential, mm-hmm. do have themes. If it didn't follow this form, let's say you put all the emotional, heavy, downer songs at the front and just all the crazy rock songs at the end, would it have the same artistic statement or meaning to you? Because if you're looking would, at it with the two statements, like a statement song at the beginning and at the end and then themes in the middle, it takes you on a journey where that idea is developed or transformed as it goes on. So there's clearly... An arc there. Mm-hmm. I would. I'm answering that with another question. And if you took, oh, what's a well-known? I'm trying to think of a symphony that has a mildly well-known second movement. But I. But. But anyways, they let's... exist. I'm mad that I can't <laughs> think of one, but they well, yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I only listen but, to families. But I think that's I think that's almost what I'm getting at is let's say you think of Beethoven's Fifth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm only choosing that because everybody and their mother and their mother's mother knows that song. Mm-hmm. They like they know Which one is it? Bum 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 bum. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. now. Yeah. It was so fuzzy but before that. We could we could think of that as the statement or the lead single. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially. Both. Hey, every Beethoven song is the lead single, just like the Beatles. Not sure with the Beatles. <laughs> you ever hear the, like the Indian sitar ones make it to top? Nope. <laughs> I may not have heard them at all. They're but like tracking. This the John Lennon one I hate so much. I don't know. There's some clunkers in the way out. Were you going to say Imagine? I don't <laughs> like Imagine because I think it's dumb. But <laughs> Is it wrong that when I say Imagine and I try to... I know the song, but yep. when I try to think of it, I think if I could only imagine, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> which is not the right song. What I don't know. About? That's the Beatles. <laughs> I don't know which one of those songs I like less. <laughs> um, but anyways, my point is, if you take the second movement of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony and yeah. you let off with that, right? There's no contour. Well, right, in but, that case, there's no hook. But I guess, I think, I would say, in formal structure, it seems to me that there's kind of that, you know, symphonies seem to be ordered that way, mm-hmm. especially with a lot of them starting with sonata form, so that you're kind of like, hey, here's the themes that you're going to hear for the next 45 minutes. Right. Have fun, you know. I think I think in an album, you do need that, I guess. Right. Because it seems like we're defining other things that way. And I guess... And if it's sequential, it more or less already has some type of dramatic arc because it's a story. Right. One thing leads to another. So, I don't know. That's just what... When I was thinking about albums that are thematically connected but not sequential, I thought, some of these you could mix up. 
but some of them have a storytelling element in the amount of drama or what ideas they bring to the album I think in the that, order they're played in. I think that with a lot of existing albums, they need that contour, uh-huh. but I feel like that contour exists because the artist choose to put it there, even if there's no like narrative in the album. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if someone... I don't know. I just think that someone could artfully put together an album that say had all the like downer songs at the beginning and like didn't have all the energy of like the the front end that you might want there to be and it could like you know blow up and be someone's best album it just depends on how artfully they can do it Mm -hmm. but and I think it depends a lot on the tracks on the album and the story it's telling but it's like I can't imagine how that would sound good but I feel like someone who like, someone can do that and probably has at some point, and we just don't know it. But, like, a lot of the albums that we've been talking about, you couldn't rearrange it to be that way and say that it has the same effect. Because right. most albums I listen to would not. I mean, Sam Smith, I feel like, gave it a fair shot. Oh, no. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, if we ignore Money on My Mind, there's Good Thing, which is, you know, like too much of a good thing could be bad Mm -hmm. like that's the gist of it and then stay with me like somebody's leaving him and he's asking them to stay four was leave your lover and it's all about kind of you're not with me but you should be Mm. and then five is you know i know you're cheating on me (laughs) so i i feel like he gave it a shot. <laughs> the funny thing about that is deep. he goes so much deeper, like, with nine as kind of the, like, two-thirds mark-ish uh-huh. in the album is not in that way. And it's, like, the song of you're in love with your best friend, but they don't love you in that way. Right. And, and it's just, oh, like... Gosh. Yeah, no, it's it's rough. That's why I started to skip over those songs because <laughs> like my drive to work every day was like, oh no, I can't can't do this right I now. I can't get to work while this song is playing. <laughs> no, but it would affect my mood for the whole right, rest yeah. of the day. But then, um, like my brother Ryan really enjoyed the album as well, and he said there was you know he had a friend who was going through a breakup or something, and he played this song for him, and like he teared up because that's what he was going through, right. and it was just like. You know, it's, but I guess... There are songs on 808s and Heartbreak by Kanye West that I choose not to listen to because I'd rather stay happy. Yeah, <laughs> but but I think this would be an example of it's still following what you said is a form because even though, yes, the Sam Smith songs aren't necessarily, like, heart-happy songs... Mm-hmm he goes somewhere worse to make them like if you looked at all of the material like that was the good stuff oh man it just takes two listens to appreciate so (laughs) so i mean i i think you're right that you know you do need the form kind of yeah well that has been our discussion about album versus playlist Uh, if we have any listeners at this point i'm sure that you guys uh also have lots of opinions what do you mean if this has got to be their third pod. Uh, are we on three or four now? I, Fourth podcast. Third? It all depends on how the editing turns out. 
hell, there may be a one after that that they listen to first because they don't want to listen to this you know, exactly. subject matter. Right. Anyway, so it could be third or four. The, the point <laughs> is, is that we have listeners. It's you guys, and you guys probably also have opinions. And so, drop us a line. Tell us what you think about album versus playlist. What are some albums that you think are purely sequential? What are some albums you think work in any order? And I think the best question is, what are some albums that break this dramatic contour that still work together as cohesive artistic statements? So hit us up. I think we're going to have a Twitter and a Facebook. Mm -hmm. So uh, let us know what you think. And give us your controversial opinions on Drake's playlist. Yeah. Because we want those. (laughs) Definitely. I think the more we talk about Drake, the more hits we get. (laughs) It seems to be how it works for everyone else. We're going to tag this. We're beefing with Drake. Drake. (laughs) This is our official shots fired. Watch the throne. <laughs> Can we just add that as the subtitle? Beef Our songs, beefing. <laughs> I think it's the episode title, though. You know, now now that's going to make everybody click on this first. Yeah, exactly. They're going to yeah. see Dolores, and they're going to be like, ah, Drake, Clay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Until then, keep listening. <laughs>